What a blessing to be part of God's family and to be connected to the King's Way. Uh, I was thinking I was really blessed through the whole service so far. When uh, Cindy and I were praying this morning, I mean, I pray for every part of our meeting together, Sunday school, church, every part of our time together. I just want God to visit us, to be with us to pour Himself out among us. And I feel like He's doing that, and I'm so grateful for God. So grateful for the the beautiful music, and grateful I found the Kleenex. Uh, Great grateful for Ken and his love for the Lord and his gentle leadership. Just grateful for so much, guys. This morning I want to look at some parents that had a tough job, as parents do have a tough job. In Judges 13, we read about Samson's parents. And uh, we're going to look at that chapter, but I, I want to, uh, just this morning as I'm reading, to have verses 1 through 8. So I'm going to ask you to find Judges 13, 1 through 8, and stand in God's honor as I read aloud. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for forty years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, and a wife who was sterile, had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are sterile and childless, but you're going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he said to me, You will conceive and give birth to a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink, and do not eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from birth until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Let's pray. God, as we come to you, Lord, I think one of the great ways you have of teaching people about your love is by being able to be a a parent, Lord, and being able to see kids and how much they're, how special they are, God. And you say that we're your kids, that you saw us in our mess, and as a loving parent you are, you provided a way back to you. And I thank you for that, God. I thank you for this special day, Lord. I thank you for the love that we're reminded of on this day. and Father, I just pray that you might continue to bless through this service set apart for you. God, I'm weak, but you're strong. And I just ask that you help my words to make sense and help me not to ramble. But God, instead, I pray that your spirit be evident among us. God, just speak to us. We need to hear from you, Lord. So I just ask that you, O oh Lord... Pour forth your anointing and that you might just change hearts, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Alright guys, I wanted to start out thinking about kids trying to get in their minds. You know, what, what do the kids think? 
And so they asked some elementary schools some questions about their mom, and I want to share some of these with you. Why did God make mothers? One kid said, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. Another kid said, think about it, it was the best way to get more people. Uh, Third, mostly to clean the house. And fourth, to help us out of there when we're getting born. Uh, Secondly, how did God make mothers? He used dirt just like the rest of us. Secondly, magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. Why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? Some kids said, we're related. Two, God knew she likes me a lot more than other people's moms like me. (laughs) Honest answer. What ingredients are mothers made of? God made mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. I like that. They had to get their start from men's bones. Then they mostly use string, I think. What kind of little girl was your mom? Uh-oh. Uh, my mom's always been my mom and none of that other stuff. <laughs> Two, I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess would be pretty bossy. Three, they say she used to be nice. Ooh. Uh, what did mom need to know about dad before she married him? His last name. Kids. Why did your mom marry your dad? She got too old to do anything else with him. <laughs> uh, two, my grandma says that mom didn't have her thinking cap on. Um, uh, next, what does your mom do in her spare time? I love this. Mothers don't have spare time. What's the difference between moms and grandmas? About 30 years. (laughs) Describe the world's greatest mom. The greatest mom in the world wouldn't make me kiss my fat aunts. Uh She'd always be smiling and keep her opinions to herself. Is anything about your mom perfect? Her teeth are perfect, but she bought them from the dentist. (laughs) Uh, Her casserole recipes, but we hate them. Oh, golly, kids. Uh, just your children. Never answered that. What would it take to make your mom perfect? On the inside, she's already perfect. Outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. <laughs> and the last one here. Whoa, 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 whoa. If you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? She has this weird thing about me cleaning my room. I'd get rid of that. <laughs> Secondly, I'd make my mom smarter. Then she would know it was my sister who did it and not me. You know, guys, uh, as I look here at verse 8 of Judges 13, we're introduced to Samson's parents. And I think they're not unlike a lot of other God-fearing parents that want to love the Lord and want to raise their kids to love the Lord. In verse 8, they ask a question that rings true to any parent. Manoah prayed, he said, Oh Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Surely this is a prayer of every parent. What have I got myself into? (laughs) You know, when they first come and you're staying up late at night and you're thinking about how they're growing older and, and, and someone said the toughest thing to teach a young child is that no is a complete sentence. And uh, it's just difficult. It's just times that's hard. And and like Manoah prayed, a parent can understand that. God, help me. Show me how I'm to raise this kid. 
How am I to turn his or her heart to you? God, give me some instruction here, you know. Don't come with detailed manuals of exactly what to do. And God, I just need your help. And as we see later on in the story of Samson, I'm sure there were times where they asked, Lord, where did we go wrong? Where did we fail? Where did we drop the ball? How come he's not following you? How come he keeps turning away from you and causing all this trouble, Lord? That's not our heart. And as we see them, uh, I believe that must have went through their minds. You think of Proverbs 22, 6 that you hear so often. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And we know in reality that that's the heart, that's the dream, that, you know, I'm going to bring that child to church, I'm going to teach him about God and, and His love, and, 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 and I, but there's just no guarantee that person will follow the Lord, because as there's, the old saying goes, there's no grandchildren in heaven. So what is the bigger question here? I, I don't think it's, to, God, you have to give me godly kids, but God, make me a godly parent. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Um, Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite Bible teachers, made this point. He said, being godly parents is no absolute guarantee you'll have godly kids. Doing a good job at training children and teens provides no airtight promise that they're going to turn out exactly right. Nothing thrills us more than to know that our children are walking in truth. And nothing hurts us more than to realize they're not. I heard a story about a famous author who uh, he and his wife were expecting their first child, so he thought, I'm going to write a book on parenting. And he was pumped up. And so he decided, I'm going to title the book Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Parenting. The baby was born. He went on to some other projects, and his thinking began to change once the child was born. He thought, everything I know about parenting. And so he changed the title to Some Helpful Suggestions about parenting. Then the child began to grow and he still began to think about his book. And Then they had another child. and Then he changed the title again. This time he changed it to um, Help Me, Help for Hurting Parents. And then the children became teenagers. And one final time he came up with a title for his book. Somebody get me out of this straitjacket. <laughs> hopefully, as the years went by, hopefully that kid would grow up to love the Lord and love them. And the title of the book would be Good Friends That Need Each Other. That's the hope. That's the desire, guys. So, we want to look in the life of this couple and and look... From uh, this example here, how can I be a godly parent? Being a good parent. And the first thing I want us to realize here in verses 2 and 3, that being a parent is a privilege. Look again as we are introduced to them, to Manoah and his wife. We're told um, that she was a woman who was sterile, remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are sterile and childless, but you're going to conceive and have a son. We live in a fast-paced culture that almost says children are a burden, not a blessing. Uh, it was interesting. You didn't find anything on the Internet. I googled. I was, I was curious. I thought, how much does it cost? 
to raise a child in America. And of course, they had this chart. And of course, according to how much you made, how much you spend, went up according to how much you made. Was anywhere, guys, those that made under 39000 a year, you came out by the time they're 17 to about 125000 somewhere in that range. For those over $50,000 a year, it was on up to $250,000 by the time they're 17 that goes into a child. And it's easy to look at that. That's a quarter of a million dollars. Well, guys, what are you going to spend it on without kids? Pedicures? Massages? Buffets? I mean, you know. I remember my dad and the twinkle in his eye and he said, I'm grateful to have my kids. He said, what a blessing. Just kind of meant to be that way. But guys, there's a lot of people out there that want to be parents. But for whatever reason, the womb is closed. And I think of this lady where we only hear her referred to as Manoah's wife here. But that was a culture where, you know, the woman, one of her greatest joys was to have kids. And others looked at her and when they saw the kids, they said, you are blessed of God. But when they didn't see a kid, they said, the curse of God must be upon you. You've done something wrong. That's why your womb is closed. That's why you're unable to have that treasure, that child. One of the Psalms, Psalm 127, 3 through 5, talks to us about how kids are a blessing to the Lord. It says, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior or sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. No kids are a blessing to God. And I don't know what it is about his timing. And I'm sure that Manoah's wife had many nights that she cried out to God and said, God, why? Why don't I have a kid? Why don't I have a child? And she looked at her neighbors that were around her and other family members who had these kids. And, and she must ask that question, God, did I do something? Is for some reason your favor not on me? Is that what this is all about? But as we see, that wasn't it. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and didn't give her this list of this is why you don't have a kid. This is why you're, why you're sterile. This is why it's your fault. The angel of the Lord didn't do that. The angel of the Lord just said, I see your condition. But God has chosen now to give you that bundle of joy. It was in God's timing that this child would come. And, and, and that's so critical to understand God's timing. Um, so that's the first thing there that it's a blessing, a privilege to be a parent. Now secondly, being a good parent requires we recognize parenting has responsibilities. Look at verses 4 and 5. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth. And he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now there's nothing in this account That would lead me to believe that Manoah and his wife didn't want to obey God. Didn't want to be godly parents. Didn't want to set the example 
to this little one who was going to arrive in their arms and still their hearts. There's no indication here they didn't love the Lord with everything. That, that they weren't willing to give to the Lord. As we read through here, it just says, live your faith. Be a person of conviction. I think it's interesting here, he says, this child, this is why you used to be set apart. And I think that the, even though it's not said, but, you know, I, I think it certainly meant, you show him. You live for God yourself. And guys there, what greater gift is there? What greater joy is there than for a child to say, my dad loves Jesus, or my mom loves Jesus? What greater example is there? Everything else can be taken away. You can lose everything else, but you don't lose God. I love uh, Romans eight thirty-eight and 39. For I am convinced that neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, neither height nor depth nor any powers, neither anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can take that away. And to live in that understanding and to just say, God, I know you're there. God, I'll follow you through the good times, through the bad times. There's nothing that's a greater treasure for a kid than to see parents that love the Lord and love each other. And and so I, I believe that was there and I believe that was being shared. You know, be a responsible parent. Live for the Lord. Trust the Lord. Follow the Lord. Let him work. Um, look at verse 6. It says, The woman went to her husband and told him, A man of God came to me. He looked like an angel of God. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he came from. And he didn't tell me his name. Uh, as we look at Manoah and his wife, I think it's worthwhile to see that uh, Manoah heard this word from his wife. You saw an angel of the Lord. And he's still thinking, God, I want this little guy to have a love for you. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. I need your help. And so what does he do? And I think this shows his heart. He prays. He cries out to God. He doesn't say, Oh, I'll just be masculine and I'll be macho and I'll figure this thing out. and I'll just act like I do if I don't know what I'm doing. That's not what he did. He cried out to God. Look at verse 8. Is it? He says, Manoah prayed to the Lord. Oh Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. He said, God, you gotta show me, God. You gotta work in me. You gotta, you've got to do this, Lord, or he'll, he won't know you. God, you gotta take me over. And, and God, you've got to work. And look how he asks for wisdom as he goes on. He, He says, the woman hurried to tell her husband, he's here, the man who appeared to me the other day. Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said, are you the one who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule for the boy's life and work? As he he wanted to know, he says, God, I I need your help. I need to know what to do. And be honest with you, I, I want to know when he gets big, when he gets grown, when he's a man. How are you going to use him? He wanted details. Wouldn't it be great to have the details? God, could you let me know how my kid's going to love you and serve? Man, I'd love to have that. I'd love to have that shown to me. But I think it's interesting here, the response of the messenger of the Lord, of the angel 
of the Lord. He doesn't give him any details. He doesn't give him any uh, delightful details about the boy. Instead, um, he just tells him basically to do what he knows, to put that into practice. Look at verse 13. The angel of the Lord answered, Your wife must do all that I've told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink from any wine or other fermented drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I've commanded her. Manoah said, The angel of the Lord, We would like you to stay until we prepare a young goat for you. You know, I look at that and I say, Man, that's, you know, that's just so applicable. What does God say? He says, What I want you to do is not be worried about what will happen, but I want you to act in accordance with what has happened, with what I have shown you. I want you to walk in the light of what I've revealed by faith. Trust me, Manoah. You and your wife, trust me. I, you don't have all the details, but I'm big enough to handle it. Just, just do what you know. I mean, they did have a little information about their boy. Look what it says at the end of verse 5. We learn about him. It says, uh, the boy's to be a Nazarite. He's to be set apart to God from birth. And he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, that's some pretty good information there. It may not be great details of how he's going to do it. But your boy's going to be a key cog in setting the people free. He's going to be used. He's going to be a great man. And and, and so that was enough to, to stir their hearts. Of course, if they had known all the details that we know as we read through the account, they couldn't have taken it. There's a chance they would have been really broken. Because all of us want our kids to follow the Lord. They love the Lord. They followed the Lord. I believe they raised Him up in the Lord. But He chose not to follow the Lord. He chose not to follow their example. And what's the answer to that? Is it their fault? Because it's so easy to feel that way. Lord, it's my fault. My kids aren't following you because I failed. I don't think that's why. I think it's simply he didn't he didn't turn to God. He didn't follow God. The boy made the choices and the parents' hearts were broken. Manoah was broken. His his wife was broken. But it wasn't because of what they did. Look at verse 17. Manoah inquired of the angel of the Lord, What's your name so that we may honor you? When your word comes true. He replied, why do you ask my name? It's beyond understanding. God says, I, it's too deep for you. you. You can't comprehend me. You can't know my name fully. Manoah took a young goat together with a grain offering, sacrificed on the rock to the Lord. And the Lord did an amazing thing while Manoah and his wife watched. As the flame blazed up from the altar toward heaven... The angel of the Lord ascended into the flame. Seeing this, Manoah and his wife fell with their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized it was the angel of the Lord. We are doomed to die, he said to his wife. We have seen God. So here's the picture, guys. 
Manoah says to the angel of the Lord, tell me your name. And he says, it's beyond you, you can't get it. He says, we want to worship you. Let us bring the sacrifice. So the angel says, okay. So they bring the sacrifice and they burn the sacrifice. And while they're burning the sacrifice, in the flame, the angel of the Lord ascends, rises up. And they're like, oh man, that's God. And they fell on their faces and Manoah's like, we're going to die, we're going to die. We've seen God and, and it, it, we're going to die. And I love, look at the, this is great. Just the, just the advice of his wife. A godly woman. You know, common sense. I love this. Look at verse uh, 23. His wife answered, If the Lord had meant to kill us, He would not have accepted a burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor shown us all these things, or now told us this. So three things she basically said there. First she said, uh, Honey, if the Lord was mad at us and wanted to kill us, He wouldn't have accepted this sacrifice. And she said, secondly, she w- He wouldn't take the time to say all this truth to a dead person. Kind of a waste. And then thirdly, we couldn't be parents if we were charred and dead. And so, that's not what God's going to do. He has another plan. He is going to do a different kind of work. So calm yourself, honey. Quit having your hissy fit there. It'll work out. And then third lesson here, as I come to the end here. Recognize parenting has its limitations. Look at the end of the chapter, 24-25. The Lord gave, I mean the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him when he was in Mahana Dan between Zorah and Ashtael. The very name Samson in Hebrew means little son or sonny, which suggests to me that uh, they dearly loved him. He was that treasure to them. And although... He obviously later on was rebellious. Never did learn that Noah is a complete sentence, obviously. And as we read through the account, there was a lot of heartbreak in that family. But I still believe he was their little son. He was their sonny. He was their gift. He was that treasure that stirred their hearts. And I don't think that ever changed, even though there was a lot of heart. Break. I believe they did all they could to lead him to God, but he just kept breaking their hearts. You know, I was really uh, moved by Rachel's song. I think what I was thinking about is uh, there's different stages in family life. And, you know, we're at that stage where our kids are teenagers. And, you know, when you're a teenager, the last thing you want is to be seen with your parents. I mean, that's really rough because we're really not cool. And I guess we're old enough to realize it, so we're not destroyed. It's okay. We went, uh, picked up Matthew and Johnson City at a birthday party last night, a friend of his. Yeah, it was awful because not too many of his friends came, but there were a lot of us old people there from their church. And they had cake and stuff. And they asked if he wanted cake. And he's like, no, no. You know, he just kept moving away. You know? 
And I guess that touched me as I thought about Rachel's song. I thought, you know, what greater gift is there than the hope that someday those kids would say, uh, man, I had a great day with you. Man, it was good to be with you. Man, I love you. And both my parents are now um, deceased. And man, I think, wouldn't it be great just to have some time with one of them? Just to get a little wisdom on an issue or two, questions that I have. Um, And I think that Manoah and his wife, they watched Samson, you know, he went crazy. He saw this woman, he goes, Varum! But it went too far, you know, and and he just got his eyes called and... um, Man, he chased after a woman that didn't know the Lord. Didn't love the Lord. And there was all this heartbreak and all these choices he was making that broke their hearts. And, and, and even though they did their best to move him toward the Lord, it just seemed like he wasn't moving toward the Lord. And praise be to God, at the end of his life, he thought of the Lord and he sacrificed himself. And so the hope is at the end of his life, he finally understood and got it together. But there's just no guarantee. And you just love those kids with all your heart. Man, you wanted to follow the Lord because nothing's better. And, and I think that that's a picture of God. God looks at us. We're His kids. And He says, I want them to love me. I know what's best. And if they turn to me, you know, it makes sense. This crazy thing called life. And, and He's heartbroken when we rebel and we turn against Him. We go the wrong direction. And He says, just look my way and things will work out. <sighs> that's the heart of a parent. That's the heart of our Heavenly Father. And as I close, I, all of us uh, love Max Lucado's ability to tell a story. One of my favorite story tells is about a mom in Brazil named Maria. And her girl, Christina. Christina was tired of living in the little village. She was mesmerized by the bright lights of the city. She thought, I'm, I'm going to go to the city as soon as I'm old enough. At 17, she got her belongings. She left a little note telling her mom she loved her. And she left before her mom awoke. And uh, Maria got up and she found the note and she was heartbroken. And so she took what little money she had and she stopped at this store that had one of those uh, photograph booths that you sit in, that, you know, they take pictures of you, you know, the little strips, pictures. And she took her money and she made as many pictures as she could. She went to the city. And all she could think about was what her daughter would have to do to survive. And the choices she would have to make that would crush her. And so she went to places that were run down and Places, uh, or rough parts of town. And she would take the picture and she'd write something on the back. She'd put them on uh, places where signs were on the corner of streets. She'd go in some of these run-down motels and maybe on the bathroom mirror she'd place a picture or any kind of bulletin board in these motels. It didn't take her long to run out of pictures. So when she ran out of pictures, she... Uh, Went home heartbroken. Over a month passed. and uh, I'm going to read, read his words from this point on. A month or so later, Christina descended the hotel stairs 
of one of those seedy hotels. Her young face tired. Her bright eyes faded into dull. Her countenance fallen. And now full of fear and pain. A thousand times she had longed to trade these countless beds for her secure pallet back home in her little village. But now the village seems so far away in so many ways. As Christina reached the bottom of the stairs, she noticed something familiar. There on the lobby bulletin board was a photo of her mother. Christina's eyes burned and her throat tightened. She removed the picture and written on the back of the photo was this message from her mother, Maria. Christina, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And she did. Let's pray. God, we're moved to tears as we think about a mother's love for her child and the joy that must have flooded Maria as Christina came home. And Father, today, as we think about moms and their love for kids and dads too, there may be some kids here that need to come home to the Lord. And I pray, Father, at this time we call invitation a response. That you, O God, might speak to those hearts. You never get too far away to come home. And the call is now, come home to God. In this place that is set aside for Him, and these people that are His, may you come and say, Lord, I need you, I love you. And I need to come home. Father, bring bring those home, Lord, that have strayed. For others, Father, who have never known Your love, who have never really given their hearts to Christ, who have lived in the seedy hotels, or, or actually been kind and nice to their neighbor, but understand now that they need a Savior. Father, bring that one for the first time, to saving grace, God. Lord, we are grateful for your love. We are grateful for the work of your heart and your spirit. And I just pray this morning that as the altar is open, people would come and pray. People would come to the front and respond. That your Holy Spirit would be mighty among us. And that we would say yes to the prompting of your spirit, Lord. You do this, God, for you alone are the one that is able. In your name we pray. Amen.